Hello and thank you for selecting this podcast. Today I'm joined by Mary Amarina of State Trustees, who's here to talk about the administration of a will by an executor. Perhaps, Mary, we can begin by defining exactly what an executor is. Well, an executor is the person that you've charged with the responsibility of managing your legal and financial affairs after you've passed away. An executor is appointed under a will, and it is their responsibility to ensure that the directions carried out in that will are carried out. Um, And they have personal responsibility for that. So personal liability, um, which is personal risk, attaches to the appointment of an executor. And those responsibilities really, uh, they're, they're quite onerous, aren't they? Yes, they can be. In a straightforward estate administration, a, state for, a straightforward um, administration under a will, um, they're not as onerous in more compl- as they are in more complex situations. But nowadays, uh, most wills do have a degree of complexity about them because of the fact that we live in a complex society. We have blended families. We have second and third and fourth marriages. We have people who aren't married. Uh, all of those social situations mean that wills nowadays are far more complex perhaps than they were 25 years ago. So the role of an executor, therefore, is quite a complex one. You need to have some understanding of the law. Uh, As I said before, it does carry a degree of risk of personal legal liability. It can be very, very time-consuming depending upon what's involved in the administration itself and depending upon what assets the deceased had. You know, if they had a large share portfolio, for example, if uh, there was some family conflict, all those things can mean it's quite time-consuming. It can involve some demanding and very complex tasks. Again, there's uh, taxation issues, perhaps. Uh, if the person who passed away doesn't have their affairs in particularly good order, uh, that can mean that there's all sorts of tasks that need to be carried out by the executor before the estate can be finalised. And the other key thing is that uh, there may be ongoing trusts. Uh, a great example of that is where someone uh, uh, writes a will, they appoint, say, a family member as their executor, And they provide in the will that their children will receive their share of the estate. So they've left their estate to their kids and they say, my kids will receive their individual shares of the estate when they turn 25. If that person passes away when those children are infants, say three, four, five, then the executor will be the trustee for those children and will look after their legal, sorry, look after their share of the estate until such time as those children turn 25. So you can imagine if uh, someone passes away and leaves children of the age three, five and seven, it's a long-going trust and it's a long-standing commitment for the executor. Well, you you were talking just just a few moments ago about the the, the time consumption factor and, of course, that, that really becomes an issue, I suppose, where the executor is required to track down beneficiaries. Absolutely. If you don't know who the beneficiaries are, and sometimes we'll say things like, uh, I'd like Mary to be my executor and I leave my estate to my children. Now, Mary sometimes has lost contact with the person who wrote the will. So Mary doesn't actually know who the children of the of the deceased are. And if that deceased person perhaps is living overseas or Mary herself is living overseas, um, she, the person may have made the will before they had any children. So Mary's role then is to track down those beneficiaries, make contact with them. Uh, certainly that's a simple example. We have wills uh, at state trustees where the beneficiaries, uh, the person who passed away has migrated to Australia, say, after the Second World War. They've written a will. They've left it to their children. 
Uh, we don't know whether they have children or not. They emigrated from a, a, um, a small town in Eastern Europe that no longer exists uh, given the war and the circumstances arising out of the war. Um, we're forever tracking down people in those kind of circumstances, but we find them. We have a very large genealogy department at State Trustees, so we are able to find those people, and it's very rewarding in being able to go to those people and say, you know, your your father or your uncle or whoever it may be, your grandfather has passed away and we've tracked you down and you're to inherit a sum of money. So, What would you say are the most difficult aspects of being an executor? Um, I think the first thing is, I mean, what you need to do is you need to apply to the court for what's called a grant of probate, which then allows you to administer someone's estate. So the first step is to be in a position to apply for that grant. To do that, you have to have a complete picture of the deceased's assets and finances, what they own, what they owe, uh, who they deal with, um, are there any debtors, any creditors, etc. You need to then make sure once you know all of that, um, you need to ascertain things like have they put in all of their tax returns and bring their tax affairs up to date. Um, once you've got to that point where you can apply for the grant of probate and you receive that grant, then there's all the winding up bits and pieces to do. And I can say bits and pieces, but that can be extremely time-consuming. Um, it's things like uh, closing off bank accounts. It's things like uh, redeeming assets, um, dealing with shares, dealing with properties, dealing with collectibles, dealing with pets. People do forget that when you pass away, you may have animals. There may not be family members who are able to look after those those animals or, or you may not have any close family members or friends who will jump in and take on that responsibility. That sits with the executor. We talked about tracking down beneficiaries. Um, beneficiaries will need to make a decision around what they want to happen as far as their share in the estate is concerned. So it might be important in dealing with them that the estate gets some taxation and financial advice and that you recommend to the beneficiaries that they do likewise because, of course, receiving a large sum of money can have implications for the beneficiaries as well as for the estate, obviously, in, in dealing with those large sums of money. Um, key thing, though, is, is the settling of disputes, making decisions around disputes, if there are disputes, um, disputes around particular items of property, for example. Often someone passes away and says in their will, I leave my personal property to be divided amongst my children at my executor's discretion. Well, if all of those children are arguing about uh, who gets what, um, that can be very difficult. It can also be very difficult if there are formal claims against the estate. If someone brings what's called a, a testator's family maintenance claim, that's a, the name for a formal claim against an estate. If that occurs, then the executor has to play a key role there at, uh, as a decision maker in protecting the estate's best interests and uh, looking at those claims and making decisions around those claims. And if those claims wind up in court, then the executor obviously has to be involved in that piece of litigation as well. Can there ever be any personal financial liability attached to being executor? Um, you are personally uh, liable, which means that if you make an incorrect decision as an executor, then uh, you can be sued for the decisions that you make. So, yes, there is personal legal liability that attaches. Do you think many people are aware of that? I think most people are unaware of that, mm. and it is a surprise to them when they find that out. So, really, the, the, the bottom line here should be, 
hey, go to the state trustees and get them to do all of this? Well, there's certainly a role for an mm. organisation like state trustees. In circumstances, there's a number of circ- – we can help in every circumstance, but there's some key circumstances. If there is family conflict and it's appropriate to have someone independent look after the estate's affairs, um, sometimes we have uh, family conflict where the executor has a share left to them in the estate – um, there might be a family member who is claiming a greater share and the executor has a has a personal conflict there because they're wearing two hats. They're wearing their executor's hat and they're also wearing their beneficiary hat. So having that independent person act as executor allows them to step back and, and think appropriately of their own position, um, leaving the decision-making around the estate for uh, the independent to make. Um, The other thing, of course, is we've seen that there are legal and financial responsibilities uh, attached to an executorship. Uh, And unless someone has that legal and financial knowledge or is able to obtain that easily, um, again, it can be quite daunting. So someone like state trustees, again, our core business, we are there to administer estates. We have that legal and financial knowledge within our organisation. We have accountants, lawyers, financial planners. They're all available to give input into that administration. So it's about having a professional, I suppose, um, look after your affairs. I guess one of the most important issues, Mary, obviously, is, is just who can claim against an estate. Yes, we, t- we touched on before testator's family maintenance claims. That's the name of a formal claim against an estate. And we're talking here at about a claim by someone that says either I didn't receive anything from this person and I should have or I did receive something but what I received was not enough. Before 1997, the only people who could bring those types of claims were spouses and children of the deceased. But nowadays, anybody can bring that claim. So we've seen lots of interesting claims. We've seen claims by grandchildren, um, grandchildren saying that I was promised a... um, private school education by my grandparent. That hasn't been provided in the will. I'm making a claim to enforce that. Um, We've seen claims by carers. We've seen claims by neighbours. Anybody. The doors are now wide open and anybody can bring a claim. How soon can a claim actually be made against an estate? Um, A claim can be made at any time, but you need to make it within generally within six months of the date the grant of probate uh, has been issued from the court. There are some exceptions to that. There are ways of extending that time, but the normal rule is, for all intents and purposes, six months from the date of grant of probate. Mary, I've heard people use the word survivorship. What, What does that actually mean? With a survivorship, it's where you've provided in some other means for a piece of property to pass to a particular person. I suppose the best example is where a husband and wife own a piece of real estate together, often the matrimonial home, and it's owned in joint names and they own it as joint proprietors. In that circumstance, it doesn't fall into the deceased's will. It passes to the surviving spouse because of the way they own that property. So they own it as joint proprietors. Therefore, if one passes away, it passes automatically to the survivor. And a survivorship is, is the legal means of making that happen. So we're out of the realm of wills, we're out of the realm of estate administration, and we're just looking at how do we make sure that that share passes automatically to the other 
and it's a matter of filling out paperwork and, and doing various legal bits and pieces, but it's very different from an estate administration. Another example of that is where couples own joint bank accounts. If one of those people passes away, then that person's interest in that bank account automatically passes to the other. And every, um, every, all the money in that bank account is owned now by that other person. But there are legal formalities with the bank, um, just as there are with the titles office, if it's a piece of real estate, um, that ensure that that happens. And that is called a survivorship. I've been talking to Mary Amarina. And if you'd like to know more about the responsibilities of an executor, please call State Trustees on 03-9667-6444 or visit their website www.statetrustees.com.au.